Welcome to the Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Urban, and today's guest, we have Sean Landry. Hi there. Aw, Sean, Sean, it's so great to have you here. I, I, when you when I found out you had a girl crush on me, I, I, I basically do what I do when anyone has a crush on me. I dressed up really nice. You look fantastic. I was going to bring wine and fudge and tell you that, you know, as much as you like me, I, I'm already with someone. <laughs> and then and then get really drunk on the wine and then you still have a chance once having <laughs> sex with me. And, uh, I don't know. know. Would Hans like that or not? Hans doesn't give a shit. Oh. And <laughs> that's why we're married. Um, and that's why, that's why I'm actually here in beautiful... Um, uh, Studio City, California, because I didn't want to do this at my house. Because because of Hans. Hans is insane. <laughs> um, I love him. He's my he's kind of like my partner in crime. We've been together since '86. Married '91. Doing a lot of comedy together. But I swear to God. Um, okay, here's this, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do do my Hans impersonation. So um, just whatever you say, you have to help. Whatever I say, just keep saying. Okay. So, um, Sean, uh, did you um, happen to go and do the bills? Okay. Because the bills are really important. They really need to be done. Okay. Because the bills, if they don't get done, um, I, we don't know exactly when we're going to do the bills. Are, are you going to do the bills? Uh, yeah. Because if you don't do the bills, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a problem, Okay. Okay. Because if you don't do the bills, <laughs> that's Hans. It's, it's, it's literally, that's him off stage. The other time it's like, he's in wacky voice. And <laughs> other times it's just, he repeats like a parrot over and over again. Did, did you wash the clothes, Sean? Because if you don't wash your clothes, then they're going to sit all over the floor. <laughs> okay, Hans, I'll do the, because if you don't do them, then they're going to get stinky in the house. I understand that, Hans. Because if you don't, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love I love your um yeah uh, your 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 blog uh and you oh the red room yeah the in on the red room dot com red room dot com is it slash Sean it's slash Sean Landry just you know you can get onto the red room and then just type my name there's a you know you can get past the other smaller writers like our president and Stephen Colbert and <laughs> Maya Angelou oh. and um, find the bigger name people like myself on <laughs> the red room. Um, no, I loved your one uh, that you had about about the charming, about Hans trying to be charming, and you. It's just, it's just no, no. no this is not fucking charming. It's <laughs> just seriously, you're just not. You know, it's there's there's layers of when you're with somebody for so long, um, especially someone like Hans, who is. I mean, I'm he's 52 years old. I'm 47. And when you've been with someone for so long, you're just and you're so used to improvising with someone. To the point where you don't even know if you're improvising anymore. <laughs> it's like, did we do this shit in '92? <laughs> isn't this the isn't this the same wacky character you did in 2000? <laughs> you know, it's that kinda, it, it gets to the point where some, sometimes his shit isn't charming anymore. Um, it's like, dude, every once in a while, I need to be told I have gorgeous tits. <laughs> Um, hey, you have gorgeous tits. Thank you. You're welcome. See, this is why I'm here. <laughs> and um, and put on makeup for you. Oh, <laughs> shucks. I'm sorry. Chicks are meaner when we leave and we're not dressed up. It's you like, think? I am. Oh, God, we're horrible. Horrible? We're horrible people. <laughs> we're horrible people. It's, no, it, I mean, seriously, like, oh, girl, you look so good. Did you feel <laughs> like this is why i like dudes because dudes no matter what you do they're always even if you're on a friend level even if they're not interested somewhere in the back of their mind they still want to bone you <laughs> they, they still want to it's like you know she's like a sister but I'd I could If push came to shove, if I was drunk enough, I could bone her. Sure. <laughs> Last girl standing. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> um, we were talking about Hans. Uh, yes. And you guys are uh, the group uh, laundry, and, laundry. Laundry and some. Laundry, like, like, laundry and it, You know, I've been called worse. It's, it's laundry after you. Um, yeah, we've been together. We initially started with, as We Be Negroes. Um, to be honest with you, even before that, um, I auditioned for his theater company in 86. 
Uh, Where was that? In Chicago. We're both from Chicago. And uh, I auditioned for his theater company. I had just gotten out of a... (laughs) I had gotten out of a theater company uh, that worked in prisons and penitentiaries. And uh, I wanted to be funny. And it wasn't really cute anymore working with rapists. (laughs) Uh, You know, meeting Manson was fantastic. But, you know, he's a short little shit who... um, Yeah, he's Charles Manson. Uh, And I'm like, yeah, I met Manson. Uh, that's so interesting. You know, my you name my name drops aren't cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually you know, me. I met, I met Charles Manson. I had a stare down contest with him. Oh my gosh! We were we were he was, at that point he was moved I believe out of he was in Vacaville. We had done the entire prison system here in California, and he was moved out of San Quentin in Vacaville because some asshole set him on fire. Wow. Yeah, just set his ass on fire and was singing Helter Skelter tunes, which, of course, is relatively amusing historically. <laughs> you know, like, ha-ha, that's what you get for killing a lot of motherfuckers. Somebody, some, somebody crazier than your ass setting your ass on fire. <laughs> you know, he's like Richard Pryor before Richard Pryor. So he and a murderer and a, and a mass murderer. But he uh, was in Vacaville, and we were performing in Vacaville. It's a protective custody prison here in California. And we're setting up the set, and uh, there's it, it was it was kind of a we had this long set, very long long set, and we're setting it up, and they had roped us off to keep us away from the inmates, and this whole prison was surreal already. They had uh, transvestites who were in prison who were put in Vacaville to keep them safe because it was protective custody, so there were transvestites in the bathroom blowing dudes while we were setting up and then of course there's also people who are extremely unstable who are in Vacaville they had roped us off and there was a green chair this dude who had the entire San Andreas fault like tattooed on his back and shit pulls up this green chair because you know it's his fucking chair (laughs) he pulls up this fucking chair he lifts up up the the protective uh uh, stuff that was protecting us <laughs> right and he pulls the chair underneath it and he sits his ass center stage in the middle of our set and he's just sitting there and he's not even the chair isn't even facing towards the audience it's facing towards us and it's center stage of our shit so i go <laughs> behind set and i go hey john john bergman who's the artistic director i go hey bergman um some some brother just parked this fucking chair <laughs> center stage for a fucking set keep in mind we improvised it was Commedia dell'arte we were doing so all of it was improvised and i said brother has parked his ass in the middle of the set what the fuck do we do do we get an officer what the fuck do we do and bergman said improvise around him <laughs> it's an idea Uh, um, and let me turn that off and I I was like all right so he started playing then he started he was playing with us you know he played uncles and shit and it was actually very very good and he was that was that Charles Manson no it wasn't Manson this was after the show we were there for um workshops also doing workshops and after the show uh one of the officers came up and said Charlie wants to see the hippie dude and the black chick. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) And this is an officer saying this. I'm like, okay. First of all, and I had just finished reading Helter Skelter. um, Mm -hmm. That's written by a dude named Bugliosi. Uh, It's an amazing book um, just about that whole scene. And I had just finished reading it. And he goes, Charlie wants to see the hippie guy and the black chick. And I just went, Charlie who? <laughs> and I was 19. And I was like, he was like, Charles Manson. I'm like, I have nothing the fuck to say to him. A little short, sawed off piece of shit. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, you know, this, you know how Charlie Manson got away from, or initially wasn't found. He had, he's like five, three, five, five, three, five, four, not even that much. If he, if he's lucky. And he's, hit himself in the ranch in a fucking cabinet. And the only reason they found him because his hair was sticking out. They thought it was a mop at first. Is that and it was his fucking hair. Uh, it's funny. We're talking. I just watched the six degrees of like 
Six Degrees of the Manson Family or something like that mm-hmm. about the, the like the Tate murders and stuff. Yeah. It's a terrible documentary, but it's fascinating information. So. Yeah, and same, it's, that's, you know, Bugliosi, it's all in his book also. And it's just, it, yeah, so the little short little son of a bitch. Yeah, like, you fucking punk. <laughs> yeah, nothing but a punk. And he so didn't what happened? Have, so he's, he, so we walk up to him. And, you know, he's a short little sawed off piece of shit. <laughs> and so it's me and I'm 5'10". And Bergman, who's roughly about 5'7"-ish, if he's lucky. And he starts talking. So I'm in the middle of Charles Manson and Bergman. They're on the side and they're talking. And he wants to talk about music because he is a guitar player. And he actually played with uh, Peter Tork of the Monkees. Um, uh, yeah, they worked together and he also did an album, a, a guitar mm-hmm. album. So he starts talking about music to Bergman and Bergman starts talking about music in a weird therapy sense. And they're talking, they're facing each other and Manson, I'm just standing there with my arms folded because mm-hmm. I'm all like punk rock, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, you fucking little punk. And I'm like, I know why you started Held the Skelter and I'm black. Why do you have me over here, you fucking... So <laughs> I was like, right now, I'm, I'm swearing like a... In my mind, I'm like, you fucking Determined little... to start that war between the, the blacks and yeah, the black whites. and the whites. And then, of course, you know, I'm raising out of the fucking desert. <laughs> and then, you know, they take over the universe because, of course, the blacks will lose. And then, you know, they rub us on our naughty little heads and we become <laughs> their servants. And Charles Manson becomes king of the university and happy ever after so <laughs> he turns and stares at me and he's staring at me and i'm like all right why are you staring at me right meanwhile bergman because he is an amazing drama therapist keeps talking he's now doing almost a drone like sound to his voice talking while charles manson is staring at my ass and i'm staring back at him and then I realized something. This is a he's playing that stupid fucking staring contest game. Who can blink first? I'm like, oh bitch, I so got this. <laughs> I used to play this shit with my little brother. I got this. I got this covered. <laughs> I got this covered. So I am staring Charles Manson down. John Bergman is doing this droney talk. And he's staring and I'm staring. He's staring. We must have stared at each other for a minute and a half. And I'm like, come on, do it. Blank. I'm just like, got my eyes all bugged out. And he is just like trying to keep his eyes at a low level, which never works. (laughs) And he blinked. And I just let out this slow smile. And the man turned bright red. And he was still listening to Bergman because Charles Manson is not a stupid man. He's insane. But he's not stupid. He was listening to everything Bergman was saying. He turned bright fucking red, got really fucking angry in the face, and then turned around and started talking to John because he was listening to that entire conversation. And it was... I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm just like, hey. and still I'm like, hey, I want to stare in contest. I will tell this story for the rest of my life. Literally. I said that when I was 19. <laughs> I'm now 47 years old. I will tell that story for the rest of my goddamn life. I, was, I stared down and won a contest with Charles Manson. And after he left, they were saying, well, Charlie will probably end up coming to the workshop. I'm like, there is nothing that I can teach that man. There is no kind of drama therapy None of us can teach this man to change him. There is no zero state for him because there is no state for him. He has no fucking soul. He has no goddamn heart. He's completely asocial. He's completely unchangeable. Keep his dumb ass in here. I don't believe in in execution. But yeah, I will pay my money. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay my taxes to keep that son of a bitch inside. Last time he was up for parole, I think he wanted to go over to like Iran or Iraq and fight against us. I'm like, keep this motherfucker. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, you so, you so, you so crazy. You cray cray. <laughs> you know, cray cray, Charmaine. Oh look, you got a new swastika, freshly done swastika for your. Th- you know, he doesn't want to get out. 
He likes it. He's like, I'm sure he does. He's the king of the shit. (laughs) (laughs) He's the king of the shit. But, um, but anyway, back to that. I was, I was in, I had gotten out of Geese Company and I had auditioned for Hans's Theater Company, which was completely not prison. It was, um, sketch comedy. Oh, great. Um, sketch improv. And he did not want me in his theater company. Hans didn't? Nope. Why not? He wanted some chick who can, and I still don't understand what it means. Peel paint off the wall. I didn't know what the fuck that meant. He was completely outvoted by everybody in the company. Peel paint off the wall? I guess she was hot. I guess that's what that uh, means. Oh. <laughs> I was like, she stinks? I and like, and like, peel paint off the wall. What the fuck does that mean? I said, I literally said it in um, a monologue thing over at I.O. I'm like, what the? I don't even understand what the <laughs> fuck that meant. I was my husband's second choice. I was like, whatever. Everybody else wanted me in the company. Michelle, who was in our company, we used to call her TNT, Teeth and Tits. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, you already got someone who's, you know, got her tits were always perky. <laughs> I mean, it'd be like 105 degrees in Chicago. Like, what the fuck do you do? Ice those things when you leave. <laughs> oh, that kind of perky. Yeah. That took me a second. You're like, boink. I'm just like, Jesus, nippleage. Maybe she put the fake ones in there? No, those were real. And just like, dang, I'm just like, my God. I'm like, is that a disease? What's wrong with your tits? I'm like, don't they ever go down? Don't they ever take a break? <laughs> I'm like, oh, your poor boobies are always in a state of help <laughs> help 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 i can't st- I, I can't stop being erect i can't it's like viagra for tits I'm like what the <laughs> fuck is going on with those tits um but uh but yeah she was kind of you know redhead and hot and uh, but i was a character person person who came in and yeah hans, hans wanted another hot chick and then again then ended up you know we uh, both of us had completely different ideas of each other when yeah well i thought he was a nazi when i met him (laughs) name is hans (laughs) he was wearing a v for vendetta t-shirt it had just come out v for vendetta had just come out uh the comic book we owned a comic book store and uh book coming out so he had this cut off v for vendetta t-shirt with the mask that uh all the scientology uh haters end up wearing yeah you know the mask same thing on the shirt um, black kicker boots. I'm like, his name is Hans, short blonde hair. I'm like, dude, I'm auditioning for a Nazi. <laughs> and of course he's not a Nazi. No, his mom is, but he's not. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, boy, was she surprised. My ass came into her life. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 hi. But do you guys get along? Uh, his mom? Yeah. His mom is now in Florida, which is, no, no, she's not in Florida anymore. She is in Indiana. Um, and she is in a gorgeous St. Anne's home. She is 85, 86 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, <laughs> um, she says things that are so racist. It's, it's, it's almost mind boggling. And it's just fodder for comedy. <laughs> and she doesn't even realize how racist she is. It's just horrible, horrible things that come out of her face. And she can't help it. And it's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, the last time I saw her, I actually did not talk to her for a few years after his father passed because she was just unbearable. And, uh, but we kind of patched stuff up. She came last year here to Los Angeles. And... I said to Hans, we, were, we got special privileges to get through LAX, to go and get her from the airport. I'm like, I'm just going to make this easy, get a wheelchair, make her happy because she's going to complain the entire time. And, and I said to Hans, I said, I'm counting down now on something really racist that she's going to say <laughs> to me, just something so fucking 1952-ish that's so fucking wrong and that's so racist and horrible. And we pick her up, and everything was going good. She was complaining about the play. Oh, oh, let me tell you, oh, oh, the the this and the that and the blah blah. We're pushing her along. She's complaining, and we get her to the house, and we have been with her for an hour, and I'm still counting on the racist thing. What are you gonna say? That's she's racist. Doing good. I'm like, she's doing good. It's about an hour, but she was. We were in the car. And she's talking about other stuff, and you know where she's living, and where we put her, and all the rest, and. We get her to the house and she looks at me 
She goes, Shawnee, you've lost so much weight. You've lost so much. Because I have. I've lost like 80 fucking pounds. You look good, girl. I'm cheap. <laughs> it wasn't an L.A. thing. It's called trying to be a little healthy. My knee's not swelling up and shit. I mm. love being the size again. I'm just like, thank you. Uh, but she goes, you lost so much weight. And I said, yeah, you know, trying to be healthier. And um, I had a lot. I had a mis- miscarriage before. And she, he goes, I said, well, you know, it's after the miscarriage. I want to be healthy. She goes, oh, well, you know, you're too old to have children now. Now, that's not racist. But it's mean. But it's true. <laughs> so, so I'm letting that slow. That's not racist. It's kind of true. I'm 47. The clock is kind of slowly, you know, the sand of time. <laughs> Just kind of slowly. I'm like, I'm totally cool. I'm like, that's okay though. I said, I said, I, yes, I am getting old, getting to that point where I can't have kids. But Hans and I are talking about adopting, and it's slow motion. Here we go. Here it is. It's now an hour two. Hour two minutes. She goes. Well, Sean, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to give babies to black people. And time. And time. And I looked at I looked at the clock and I said, an hour two, Hans. And that's all I said to Hans. And Hans turned to his mother and said, What universe are you living in? (laughs) (laughs) It was just like they don't give babies to black people. Did you realize that? They they do, right? <laughs> as long do you know that southern blacks are um a lot nicer than northern blacks? Did you know that? I didn't know that either until his mom told me. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so I had no idea. I'm like, woo, and I'm a northern black from Chicago. You, <laughs> you must be spitting in your own hell, lady. <laughs> just, so it's genius. She's absolutely genius. She does really nice things and then just turns around and says something extraordinarily racist. And, it, and it's equal opportunity hate. Oh, well, Which is good. always pleasant. We were, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, Catholic, you know, Spanish, Latino, gay, or as you would call them, pooftas. Uh, uh, yeah, pooftas, uh, bean burners, you know, whatever, whatever you can think that's horrible, she's probably said it. Um, Irish. It, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we were watching The Running Man, which is one of my favorite movies in one of houses. Uh, not Running Man, I was uh, The Quiet Man. Uh, oh, with yes. John Wayne and uh, Maureen O'Hare. It's my favorite John Wayne as well. Oh, unbelievable. He's film. so sexy in it. He's, oh, God. And no petty fingers. <laughs> just love that movie. And so we were watching that, and she just looks at Catherine, um, Mar- I want to say Catherine O'Hare, Maureen O'Hare. And she, <laughs> she goes, oh, you know she's Irish. Just like that. <laughs> like, just like, and? and what's even worse is like, I mean, I'm... I'm 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 Irish here, and so I'm like, wow, you're spinning. I'm like, what's your problem? I'm like, I'm like, what? I literally went, what's wrong with the Irish? (laughs) (laughs) You know, don't just anything. Irish, Jewish, (laughs) Italian doesn't matter. If you are not Polish, if you are not German, were you close with your mom? Very close. Yeah. Um, my mom seriously thought I was her like best friend slash drinking buddy slash. <laughs> she she tell it's like she would tell me things like, like what the fuck <laughs> like I'm your daughter I'm your daughter pro tip I'm your daughter <laughs> and the older I got the worse it became and the older I got she got Alzheimer's so she didn't know who I was um, she God love her she you know ten years she had Alzheimer's even in her worst state. Um, she was hilarious. She was hilarious when she was in her, in her best mind. Yeah. The good times. Uh, would you say you got your sense of humor from her? No, no. Oh, geez. My, she was actually humorless. (laughs) She was just a funny person. She was just a funny person. I think I got a large majority of my humor. Just, I don't know. I, I think a large majority of it came from a lot of the television I watched. Um, my family is not what you would call a wacky, zany family. Very middle class. Yeah. Very religious. <laughs> um, which really exudes no humor. Um, <laughs> my uncle Ron is the, I think the funniest member of the elders of my family. 
he's a funny cat. Him, my Uncle Brad, who's not my <laughs> uncle. You know, that whole black thing where oh, you yeah. got an uncle who ain't your uncle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my Uncle Brad. <laughs> he's my uncle who ain't my uncle. But um, he, Brad is hilarious. And Ron and them, I used to watch them just crack, crack each other up. And he would come back from Los Angeles to Chicago. He was on the Richard Pryor show and a bunch of oh, stuff. And wow. Yeah. That, those, I kind of got my humor from watching them. But most of it, most of it was, you know, I'm a 70s kid. I mean, I can actually say that shit. <laughs> um, I grew up, I mean, I, what, 10 years old? I was 1975. I mean, I grew up on the first Saturday Night Live. Um, Steve Martin. Happy Feet. I used to, I, I had the hugest crush on Robin Williams. I God, uh, reality, what a concept that had his album. Uh, Throbbing Python of Love came after that. <laughs> oh, what a great name for a fucking comedy album. <laughs> you know, Eddie Murphy and Ross started when, in the, yeah. when the 80s started coming through. I just saw Murphy uh, do, uh, they did like a big homage to him. And that was kind of badass. Uh, just... It's that kind of stuff where you're, you're not, I wasn't a latchkey kid. I always had people around me. Yeah. But I watched a shitload of television and um, all the comedy that came out in the seventies. It's like, I want, I want to do this. This is what yeah. I want to do. The Wait, thing, when did, when did you figure, like, like uh, what was that well, point? The, the point that I wanted to just be an actor was Bubble and Brown Sugar. <laughs> I'm like, holy fuck. Have you heard of the play Bubble and Brown Sugar? I haven't. Bubble and Brown Sugar is a musical comedy that had Cab Calloway in it. Yeah. And, you know, it's just amazing music and just amazing. We, I saw it at the Amphitheater in Chicago, and it's just, I had never seen so many African Americans on one stage in my entire fucking life. <sighs> Outside of the Jackson 5, I had never seen <laughs> that many black people on stage. And, I'm just, and, and doing theater and doing musical comedy. And I just was like, and then Cab Calloway's in the middle of all of this shit. And I'm just like, I want to, I want to do that. I said to my mom, I want to do that. My mom's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and uh, she just thought it was a phase, you know. She thought it was a phase. Can I ask a question? Yeah. This part. Um, what's it like being black in, in improv versus like, because black is like usually, you know, stand up. Right. Mostly stand up. Yeah. Well, I started We Be Negroes because of that. Um, I started We Be Negroes in 94 for the need to have more African-Americans do improv comedy. Because when I, I was real lucky. A lot of, you, you talk to people who were doing improv when I started doing improv. And well, you know, the, people keep laying shit on me and, you know, the characters that don't want to do and all the rest. I didn't have that because I was lucky enough to have Hans and Jim Copsian and a bunch of people who supported whatever whatever happened. It was just that supportive. And even when we did sketch, because we worked like Second City Improv to sketch, I never had that problem. Uh, when I was doing it, it was three people in Chicago who were very popular at that point. Myself, Francis Collier, who is now part of Frangella, I believe, with um, Angela Shelton um, here in Los Angeles, and um, John Hildreth who is still in Chicago, um, amazing actor. And there was literally only three of us doing improv. I mean, who were kind of known doing improv in Chicago. And, you know, Francis had Second City. John had the South Side and I had the North Side <laughs> of Chicago. And, um, you know, it's like territorial. <laughs> Second City and no one goes to, to Hyde Park. And, um, you make improv what you make it, no matter what you are. I mean, I, people always say, well, you know, how does it feel being a woman doing improv? I'm, you know, or how does it feel being black? I'm like, well, shit, if that's the case, I'm on the lowest of the low of the totem pole of improv, ain't I? I'm a black woman doing improv. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not even on the pole. <laughs> I'm like buried underneath the totem pole. I'm like, damn, y'all bitches are heavy. Um, <laughs> I I never really thought much about it. I never tried to play like a boy when it came to you know being a woman. I ne never tried to play anything but myself or not any exaggerated version of being African American. Fuck it, it's I'm just doing improv and it's fun. And and I think the reason why a lot of African Americans 
at least when I started, were, wasn't doing improv, was the fact that we kind of weren't, it wasn't where we were at. Just territorial, just regionally. You look at Chicago, the irony of Second City being around the corner from Cabrini Green is hilarious because that's just not improv. That's that entire neighborhood. No, Nobody from Cabrini goes over to Wells Street because you, your ass might get arrested for walking while black. That's just how that neighborhood was. So it's set up where like all the improv places were predominantly north side of Chicago, where most people were Caucasian. And you just didn't think that it was. And plus also there's the other thing. You can go and work a stand-up room, which I've done and I still do. And it's fun and it's what it is. I just feel too singular. It's weird to me. I like working with somebody else or with an ensemble. I'm an actor by trade. I do stand-up because it's fun and I can just fuck around and it's great. I do improv because I love it. Um, you don't... It's weird. It's just, yeah, it's very weird with the improv. It's, 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 it's the freedom of doing it on your own. So as a black person, it's kind of like it, we didn't do it because it did, A, it didn't pay. That's the big thing. Yeah. Stand-up pays. Ah. Uh. That's why you see more black people doing stand-up. It's like, the brother needs to pay the bills. <laughs> and and the problem with improv, improv is such a, it's, you know, it has gone past being a theater art form into something a little stranger, a little weird, <laughs> a little cultish. Oh, totally. <laughs> I love you improvisers. Uh, Y'all need to get a laugh. I love y'all, but you can't hang out at I.O. all the time. Take yourself into a liver damaged oblivion. I love you. I love you all. I, Nick Bush, I love you. Thank you for the gin and tonics. But seriously, y'all just need to go home. I, I totally buy into the cult. I'm a cult member. And there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and the thing is, when you're especially, I, 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 I will, I, this is the woman who does improv festivals. You know the great thing about improv festivals? I'm the prettiest bitch there. <laughs> you will always get, I, man, when the festival was really at its pinnacle top, Oh, at the top of its game in 94. Fuck. It was basically Weeby Negroes <laughs> and Slap Happy from Canada. And, it, and we used to joke. We knew each other so well. It's like, you know, here we are in Florida. Oh, Dollar Calix. Hey, drink to you, you know, to you fucking blind. <laughs> you know, and then do some improv and then teach a class and then fucking drink some more and then get stoned and then have sex with someone you don't even know. <laughs> but you get to know them eventually at the jam. You know, then you kind of realize, hey, this person actually isn't very good at improv, but who fucking cares? Let's have sex and some more beer, and and then we'll get stoned, and the world is great. And okay, I'll see you next festival. That'll be next month in (laughs) Kansas City. (laughs) It'll be weird. Speaking of that, (laughs) speaking of getting drunk and stoned randomly, I remember you telling me a story, and I want people to hear the story, the Woody Harrelson, Robin Williams story. I, uh, okay, so I was living in San Francisco. Um, We had moved there, I moved there May Day of 2000, and we be Negroes at that point had, we were still together. But half of us were in Los Angeles, here in Los Angeles, and the other half was in San Francisco. Uh, we decided to do a show in San Francisco where the crew from L.A. would drive up, stay, do a show, drive back, and did that for six weeks at Bay Area Theater Sports, uh, Bats Theater, um, up in the Marina District in San Francisco. And I was doing our media. This is 2000, and this was when, I mean, the internet was just really at its great peak of being able to find things. And I was doing our PR, sending it all off, emails, the the brand new email thing, emailing everything (laughs) off, doing the media kiss, mailing things off to people who were still taking mailers, and I had finished doing all the mailers. And I said, you know, Robin Williams, and I had just talked about Robin. And I, Robin was my big crush. 
And I said, you know, Robin Williams lives here. I wonder if I can find his mailing address and send him a press kit. So I get online, three clicks, I found his P.O. box. And I'm like, okay, that's perfect. Um, I made a label, put made a big package, and I sent him a letter. And to this day, I call it my um, uh, Brady Bunch, <laughs> uh, Mickey. Uh, uh, he just passed away from the monkeys. Uh, Davy Jones, my Davy Jones letter. I sent Robin Williams a letter. And it's something he always used to say and still does. Um, may your comedy be strong and your life complete. And I put that at the end of the letter. And I said, you know, we're, I'm in a group called We Be Negroes. It's an all-black group with one token white guy. <laughs> if you have, you know, copious free time, uh, we would love to have you improvise with a bunch of black people and one token white guy. <laughs> um, all of our press kit is here. Our website is webenegros.com. Like anybody else would have this URL. <laughs> um, and may your life be may your come be strong, your life complete. Sean Landry. And pack it up, lick the stamp, put it in the mail. And I said this to the cast. I basically did a conference call uh, because we were actually conference calling our rehearsals. Oh, cool. Yeah. Huh. You know, like conference call or rehearsal, just as long as we have, you know, a table you know, the conference thing, we can actually go through scripts and all the rest and do our bullshit sessions too. And I said, I was like, okay, before we do everything business, blah, 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 president. Oh, by the way, I sent a thing to Robin Williams and I'll never forget it. Christian Leslie, who was in our company at that point, was like, I said, yeah, I sent a press kit to Robin Williams. And he goes, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I'm like, God, how condescending is that shit? And he was like, it's like pat me on the head. It's like, ah, that's nice. Have a cookie, Sean. <laughs> you know, whatever. He's going to show up. So we do our opening night. We're at, we're at Bats. And I don't know what the fuck happened. But some, I was behind stage and I was getting into Shamika. I did this character called Shamika Mazagunda Jackson. Poet and revolutionary. <laughs> and, uh, you know, flaming, hardcore, lesbian, <laughs> hating dudes, kind of. You know, so it was half improvised and half scripted. A scripted poetry piece, and then I had an interpretive dancer behind me. It, basically, I get a suggestion, I improvise a poem, they improvise dance behind me. Hilarity. <laughs> and hilarity ensues. <laughs> and... I'm in the part of the of the of Shamika where I had we had already the guy who introduced me already had fucked around with somebody in the front already, and I wanted to mess with someone up in the front, in the back, so they turned up the lights and I said, you know, you great it's just like it's for all the lovely ladies in the audience and you gravy sucking pigs that was the line you scum sucking gravy sucking men pigs or whatever and i point to some guy and then i make fun of the dude no matter who he is i just make fun of the dude find some way to just fuck with him so i point up i'm like they had already fucked with the guy in the front i'm gonna fuck with somebody in the back and hope i point to a dude and i point directly to robin williams <laughs> he had come to our fucking show and I said, you gravy sucking. I point to Robin Williams. I see Robin Williams. I point away from Robin Williams back to the dude we were fucking with originally at the time. <laughs> I'm not fucking with Robin Williams because, because literally my whole mindset on stage was you gravy sucking. Holy fuck. Robin Williams. Fuck that. <laughs> to the guy I've been, who we fucked with already. And I get off. I, I get through the improv, the end of the improv thing. I say, thank you. Lights go out. I leave the stage. I close the door of, of Bats's beautiful stage, close the door of the dressing room. I lay on the fucking floor and I'm screaming. Holy shit. Robin Williams has shown up. He's here. He's here. He's here. Holy fuck. I cannot believe this. He showed up. Oh my God. So everyone's freaking out. Hans is totally fucking like, wait, just say, okay. So Robin Williams is here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, that means that Robin Williams showed up. 
Yes. Okay. Uh, so that really doesn't phase me anything. So are you going to get up off the floor? Because you got to get off the floor. Okay. Because if you don't get off the floor, we can't finish the show. Okay. Because if you don't get off the floor, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's going on. So, so that's happening. And we get through the show, and I cannot believe this. And we had and what we did for our show for We Be Negroes, we did our scripted material. Then we did an improv set where it was almost like a challenge, we, the Negro challenge. Anybody who was brave enough to get up on stage with us to improvise could. It became just a jam of whoever was brave enough in the audience to get up and play with us. And it was our opening night, and we were just trying this. And Robin Williams is in the house, right? So I, at the end of the show, I'm like, hey, we're Weeby Negroes. We're here every Friday night here at Bay Area Theater Sports. Um, at that point, or at Bats Theater. Um, please tell your friends and family, blah, blah, blah. We're about to do an improv set. Um, we would like to invite anybody who is brave enough to perform with us. And I looked Robin Williams directly in the face and I said, including Oscar winning motherfuckers. <laughs> and Robin Williams went, Her! and he popped up <laughs> and he came rolling down. And now I'm like, and meanwhile, everybody and their mama realizes Robin Williams is in the house and they all <laughs> pop up and come behind stage. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm freaking the fuck out. I am wandering around the theater of Beth, which is a 300 seat theater. I'm like, you got to get the cameras together, which never happened. I'm still Aww. pissed about it. You got to get the cameras. And oh my God. And I'm standing and I finally stopped. And one guy stopped me really super drunk. He was with Robin's crew. And he goes, the show, black brother, black brother, brother. He goes, he goes, you're really funny. And I'm like, thanks, man. Turns out to be the writer of the late Henry Moss. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even notice Woody sitting next to him because Woody Harrelson was in the late Henry Moss with him in San Francisco. <sighs> I didn't even notice that Woody was, I'm like, <laughs> I, I had no idea he was, because I, I, I was just like, I'm like, thanks, man, thanks. And I'm one, running around like a chicken and everyone's going behind stage. And I stop in the middle of the theater with all these people watching me. And I literally said very loudly, what the fuck am I doing here? Why am I not down there? <laughs> and everyone in the audience started screaming, laughing. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I go behind, go down the stairs and I go and there is a circle of people. Like it's a caged animal. <laughs> Robin Williams and my husband. In the middle of the circle, talking to each other like they have known each other all of their lives. And I walk in the, because I'm such a fucking freak. I'm a sexy freak. <laughs> I look at the dude I had been crushing on since I was, basically my puberty revolved around fucking Robin Williams. Um, the dude that where my puberty had like totally been achieved. And the dude I'm currently fucking. <laughs> talking to each other like they've known each other. I'm like, oh, this would be the hottest fucking threesome ever. <laughs> uh, three funny people totally bloating each other. It'd be so fucking hot. <laughs> and then just, just, so I'm like, you know, and everyone's all surrounded and they're talking. So I, and I had this in my mind, Nikki, for ever since I was like fucking 16. Just what I was going to say to him. Robin Williams, what I'm going to say, um, this man, dude, you shape, you're one of the main people who shaped everything I wanted to do about comedy, you know, just how you riff, don't get me started about Popeye, world according to Garp, <laughs> uh, especially Garp, oh, I mean, they, it's sure you fucked, the book got fucked up, but you were great in Garp, and Oh, dead poet society now and just he was actually in blonde hair for the photo movie the oh, crazy photo that movie one hour photo one hour photo oh, thing i wasn't yeah it was really creepy not that good but he was actually he was in blonde hair for that um when he when he came and basically crashed our awesome show and and that i invited him to and i had so much i wanted to say to him so much and I walked up to him, I pushed myself through the crowd, tapped him on the shoulder, 
And he turned around and I said, hi, my name is Sean Landry. That's all I said. <laughs> and that man hugged, kissed me on my lips and hugged me for a very long time. And literally, I am holding his head because he's a short man also. Holding his head into my, into my, and we're hugging and my face is melting and everyone is now laughing. Hans is laughing because Hans is just seeing my face melt like a 16 year old kid. Like, oh, I just love you. I want to hold you forever. And then we improvised and that was that. I kind of um, have a little tear from that. Yeah, it was it was very fucking cool. Um, and then afterwards, uh, we invited him. We invited him out. Uh, we invited. We got. A, I said we need a picture. And it was Ronnie Ray who was in the company at that point. He's a comedian yeah. here in town. Amazing, funny brother. Love him to death. Still perform. Still performs when I can. And he goes, yeah. He goes. I'm like. He goes, yeah. We need to get a picture. Hey, Woody, you want to come up on stage? And I'm like. And now keep in mind, I didn't even realize that Woody Harrelson was there. I'm like, Woody who? <laughs> and Woody Harrelson pops up. I'm like, what? <laughs> and we had just, we were living in San Francisco for less than five, six months. And I'm like, is this Los Angeles? What the fuck is going on here? I'm like, Woody Harrelson's here. Robin Williams is here. What the fuck is happening? And I'm like, and Woody is like, hey. I'm like, why didn't you get up and improvise? He goes, I don't improvise. He doesn't. He's afraid of improvising. You know, I'm like, that's cool in the gang. He, he just, he'd rather have me directed and have a script. And I'm an actor too. And I'm like, totally get that. But you're still fucking here. This is awesome. So we're taking pictures with Woody Harrelson. There's a picture on the wall of me, Woody Harrelson, all the Weeby Negroes, Hans, all of us on the stage at Bats. And then afterwards, we closed that joint up. I mean, to the point where like the whole theater and the entire establishment is on a barracks was completely closed. And we were like, had to go out the back door. So we're walking down the <laughs> stairs, you know, and then fucking Woody had, you know, it was like natural. He had just finished doing like natural born killers. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, so Woody's, Woody's being really fucking creepy and weird. And he's a total stoner. You know, he's big in the hemp and uh, he's just being a freak. So we're walking down the stairs and, and it's all creepy and it's, you know, echoing through the, the building and Woody Harrelson says, I wonder what would happen if someone killed us all down these stairs. <laughs> and me and Robin Williams literally both stopped and at the same time went, shut up, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, like, we just started laughing. And then, you know, Robin, Robin is a, God love him. And he'll joke about it too. He's recovering everything. <laughs> so, you know, we were like, yeah, we're going to go out for a drink. And uh, he was like, no, I can't go and drink. And nope, nope, gotta go. And Woody was like, I drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so we all go to this place um, across the way from the theater. And someone ordered a shot of tequila for us for our opening night. Nobody in Weeby Negroes are tequila drinkers. But Woody thought we were. Oh, so he kept ordering tequila for us. And I was just ordering stuff separate. And we got, we got so fucked up. I mean, we were so drunk. And, and the thing was, they knew that was Woody and they closed <laughs> the, the fucking bar down for us. So it was just us drinking all this fucking booze and we're and then we go around the table we're telling stories about how the first thing we did in theater and then i started talking about drama therapy in prisons to woody harrelson because i forgot his father is in prison oh his father's in prison so we're talking drama therapy which is amazing so we're having this intense discussion then Nikki, my Nikki, not you, Nikki, <laughs> my Nicole, my Nikki, my Nikki was a total wake and bake. She's total wake and bake. <laughs> and she was like, I got weed. And everyone's like, yay. So they all kind of went off and got stoned. <laughs> and, and then Nikki comes back. And Nikki is as dumb as a bag of bricks. <laughs> I am so sorry your name is Nikki. Nikki, <laughs> Nikki, Nikki, is, Nikki was as dumb as a bag of bricks. Bake dready hair. I'm like, God, girl, your head don't even look right. Oh, snap. And, and, and she goes, and she 
not a bright girl. Uh, and she went, who's the guy with the really bad teeth? I said, who are you talking about? She goes, the white guy you've been talking to all night long who we just got stoned. <laughs> who, who is that? Who really bad teeth? And I'm like, bitch, that is Woody Harrelson. <laughs> and she's like, well, what has he done? I'm like, I'm like, and I'm, now I'm like, natural born killers? <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm going through all of his fucking movies. And finally I go, bitch, did you see Cheers? <laughs> she goes, no, I never watched that show. That's a white person show. I'm like, you went, ooh, you're <laughs> a bag of bricks. And I'm like, have you seen Cheers? I'm like, bitch, have you seen White Man Can't Jump? And she goes, I love that movie. And I said, he's the white guy who can't jump. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh. And she looks up and goes, oh, yeah, that is him. His mouth is all fucked up still. <laughs> Are you shitting me? This is fucking Woody Harris, the nicest dude ever. I'll fuck that grill shit. <laughs> so, yeah, he ended up getting us all stoned, uh, drunk and all the rest. He pulls out a black card. He pulled out an American Express black card because oh. the bill came and it was like $1,200 and I got the bill. I'm like, fuck, payment plan. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, no, no, I got it. Pulled out a black card. I'm like, what? He goes, I got shoes that cost more than this. Oh, God. I was like, dude, you're the nicest man ever. Then we poured him into a cab with his bike. That's my Robin Williams. <laughs> man, Sean, I wish we had more time because there are so many more questions that I want to ask you. Um, but unfortunately, this interview has to come to an end. Just real fast. Um, I love improv. I love comedy. I love funny chicks. I don't like really scary spiders. And <laughs> if there is a pie anywhere in my in my vicinity, I will eat that pie. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll keep that in mind for the Thanks. future. No problem. Any kind of pie? Pie. Any kind? If I had lasers, I'd turn you into a pie right now. <laughs> Just laser my eyeballs and you would be a pie. Doesn't matter what kind of pie. Just pie. Sean, you are so great. You actually, now that you say Robin Williams, I'm like, man, that makes so much sense about you. Like the way you riff, um, everything. I remember the first time I watched you and Hans and it had been the first time that you had improvised in, in like a, a while, I believe. Yeah. And I was just, I was like floored about how like different it was, uh, from things that I see in LA and, um, and I appreciate how great you are and how warm and welcoming you are to everybody. And that you, you instantly, when I met you, I had the best impression about you and, Oh, it only goes downhill from here. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> You're amazing. You're Thank you so much. Sweetheart. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Uh, once again, this is the Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Nikki Urban. If you liked what you heard today, hit the subscribe button on this iTunes page. And uh, have a great day, everybody. 